There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third series of The Human Podcast a place to hear extraordinary human stories that celebrate the limitless potential of human beings. This podcast is dedicated to honouring our experiences of transformation, our ability to live through, live with and beyond the inevitable devastations and renewals of living. So often, our personal stories of tragedy and survival are left untold, hidden behind the facade of ordinary life. Human has been created to make them more seen, more heard and more celebrated. Because I believe, within them, we can all feel more connected to our shared humanity. So if the world is feeling like a dark or difficult place, join us and let your heart be ignited by the fire of the human spirit. Nikki Harrison is a transformational coach and founder of The Grief Space, which has been founded to provide grief circles, retreats and individual sessions to enable grieving people to reframe their grief, to become a sacred transformational gateway to a deeper and more profound relationship with living. Nikki has come to what she describes as her apprenticeship with grief as a result of the experience of her own earth-shattering loss of her beloved mother, who she describes as her soulmate and her twin flame, whom after many years of acute illness with depression, died by suicide just five years ago when Nikki was in her early 20s. Her experience of grief was an initiation into a world which so many grieving people discover, which is one that seemingly has no language or wisdom to support grieving people. Nikki, you have said, we are told to get up and to get on, to deny our feelings and distract ourselves senseless, when in reality, as you say, our grief needs to be seen, to be acknowledged, to be heard and to be loved. Grief space has been created to do just this and now more than ever, the world needs us to open our hearts fully to all of life and this includes our experiences of grief and loss. Now, Nikki, my love, I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to our time together today and certainly just through my own 
life and the things that it's you know brought to the table in the last few years I've I've sort of found my way to discover the really incredible work that you that you are doing and um so just on a personal level I want to say how much it means to me to have this 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 time with you today and um say hello and welcome and I just want to start by saying how seeing how you are today my love I'm feeling grounded I've just come off the back of a really busy summer, I've been holding grief circles at many festivals, which has been a most incredible whirlwind, something that I've dreamt of but never imagined being able to do. And um, I'm just integrating and reflecting on that experience and um, yeah, shifting energies as well as we move towards autumn. So I'm well and I'm grateful to be here. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. And you know, Nikki, I've heard you use this this, this wonderful phrase um, in the work that you do, which is around you know enabling people to discover the medicine of grief. Um, and, and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about about what that means. Sure. So it's interesting. What I've seen time and time again is that people fear grief and. I hear often, oh, I don't want to go there because if I open up to my grief, I'll never get back up or it's too big, it's too much. And actually, there's this irony that I've certainly witnessed and experienced that actually the distance and the barriers that we put up against grief end up hurting us more than the grief itself. So when I say the medicine of grief, it is that invitation to actually grieve fully and to welcome grief into our life in a way that allows it to move and to shift and to change and that is the medicine that is the healing that is the the change the integration Mm. I've heard you use this wonderful um kind of symbolic metaphor of 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 grief being like water and the kind of different holding states of water. I wonder if you could just 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 describe that a little bit for us because it's it's so vivid. It's so it's so evocative. So the metaphor of, of a river can be used beautifully for grief and also for the concept of grief tending, which I'm mm. sure we're going to talk about. So I guess firstly, it's to say that grief is healthy if it's moving, mm. if it's like a river kind of falling downstream towards the sea and it it almost doesn't matter and of course it's more uncomfortable sometimes than others but it almost doesn't matter if that river is raging or if it's meandering or if it's kind of pulling you under and chucking you out in the deep end the point is is to imagine our grief like a river and moving and to share what i said before about grief becoming a problem when it's stuck or dammed, it's like a river when we put a dam in it, that's when it becomes stagnant. Water is mm. unhealthy when it when it's stagnant and, and not moving. But the analogy of a river can also be taken further because what we need in order for rivers to flow are strong banks. Mm. And we can do that in so many ways, in incredible ways that we can support ourselves with grief. But one of those ways is what I talk about with grief tending and coming together in community is that we allow other people to hold us to create those strong banks of the river because otherwise the river could be flowing but also kind of flooding over Mm. the banks and and that's what I'm sure we've all had those experiences of 
when the grief is just too much and it's so on the surface that it's flooding into every aspect of our lives. Mm. So there's this kind of dance between wanting to keep our grief healthy and fluid and moving, but also having a strong container Mm. that actually allows it to thrash around where we feel like it's held and not kind of flooding into everything and, and all of life. Mm, it's, it's, it's interesting to, for you to hear this, to hear that language around the container for grief. Would you say in the work that you do in helping people to tend to their grief, part of what you're doing is enabling them to build a, a container which has kind of strength, but also, I suppose, some elasticity <laughs> to mm. it as well? Yeah, I mean, you've touched on on the surprising gift that I found in my experience of grief and I say that with Mm. caution because I'm it's not to come with that language of silver lining or anything at all it's it's just to recognize that there's this unsurprising mystery that happens in the raw aliveness of grief if we allow it that does as you say break our hearts open Mm. and that was my I guess my biggest surprise as I really moved towards my grief and started to learn and welcome it was how my heart just, as you say, expanded. And I now recognize that actually our way of moving through the world is often kind of a, it's like we expand in all dimensions. So if we allow ourselves to feel more grief and sorrow and to really feel the depth of that, we can simultaneously feel how much we can soar to the heights of joy and love and wonder and awe and it's like we expand in all directions Mm. so as you were saying that expansion I I completely resonate and and I think it's something we could all do with talking more about because the opposite of the expansion is the contraction which Mm. is when we live life in quite a muted in some ways safer way because we feel less of the grief and that's a coping mechanism but also what we don't realize is often that means we feel less of the joy as Mm. well um so I completely completely agree that there is this expansion Mm. god it's so vivid I've I've well I've certainly experienced in my in my in my own way but also I, I really saw in the writings of, of Francis Weller, who I know is, who you're also a huge um, fan of, and he, I believe he was a teacher of, of yours. But this, this relationship between uh, grief and aliveness, which people feel, and, you know, certainly, you know, and I, I see this so much in, in, in what you say, that so unexpectedly what grief does is it connects us to this, this kind of exquisite agonizing capacity for for aliveness which I think probably comes through the experience of your sense of self and the world just being so much bigger you know mm-hmm. absolutely I'm yeah exquisite and agonizing it's beautiful language again drawing on the paradox because and I say grief does but also to just name that it it can, you know, it's different for everybody. I yeah. think what I certainly see, particularly with this quality of aliveness and grief, is it's an invitation. It's an invitation for an initiation into a deeper relationship and intimacy with life. But it's not an invitation that everyone 
chooses or is capable Mm. of taking and that's also with no kind of judgment on on that because I think all too often we don't have the support to know how Mm. and to have the language and the elders and the circles and the friends to walk us through that journey so it's I mean, it's incredibly heartwarming for me to sit with you, knowing that you've had the same experience of breaking open to life through grief and how much my heart needs people to mirror that back to me. When I talk about grief, I do actually talk about grief in its broader sense. So I came to grief through a huge bereavement, through a loss, a death, but also recognizing that we feel grief through significant relationships that have Mm. ended, you know, the expectations that we had for our lives. I mean, miscarriage and baby loss is a huge one because it's so often less seen. Mm. Mm. Um, But also naming the collective grief. You know, you and I are speaking in this week when the horrors are going on in Afghanistan Mm. and, and also what's happening on a daily, weekly basis to our earth home you know collective grief has has never felt in my view more tangible Mm. and um to recognize all forms of grief so that again we can feel it heal it transmute it and then actually do something with it because so often we feel just overwhelmed with sorrow not necessarily able to name it as grief and also not sure what to do with it Mm. um Mm. nikki this you know, something, um, there was something that you said, which um, I'm going to kind of quote back to you, but it kind of speaks so beautifully to everything you're saying here. And I, you said, grief unmakes us. It rewrites our identity and shakes our certainties. It breaks us apart and reassembles us differently and changed. However, deep within our experiences of loss lie great gifts, wisdom, compassion and wonder. And I think, you know, particularly on this, this, this point of wonder, you know you're 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 speaking to that so clearly but also to this thing of why it's it's almost like this kind of unnamed it's you know grief is a sort of unnamed pathology that so many people live with and I think a huge part of enabling people to even comprehend a process of you know finding a healthier way to live with or to to start healing um, start a process of, of of healing comes through the naming of it and I think for so many people you know so many people right now are living in a state of grief which they have absolutely no name for and I think sometimes just the, the freedom and the my god what I mean the, the benefit that can be given to somebody just by naming the thing that they're going through can be so profound and and you know I think there are multiple different states of grief as you've just described there are the kind of deeply deeply unique personal experiences but there is this kind of collective consciousness of 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 grieving which 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 interestingly can you know you you see it manifest in kind of collective consciousness in in similar ways to how it does within the individual psyche you know when it's when it's activated and it's flowing and it's um and it's alive it can be a force for such good in the world actually but when it's frozen and when it's unnamed and when it's kind of repressed 
it can also on a collective level be the sources of some of the greatest kind of you know societal pathology as well you know and you know I, I hear that so much in in what in, in what you're saying and I heard you say something Nikki and I've heard this in your work but also when we spoke a few weeks ago you said that you've, you've learned to navigate your grief with with um reverence and I think that's such a such a powerful word to use and I wonder if you could you could speak to this a bit more for us so reverence is for me uh, a space of awe and respect and humility and the reason I use that with regard to my grief is to recognize it as a force of love Mm. but a force that will do what it wants with me so I've absolutely experienced time and time again that the more I resist my grief the more it hurts me Mm. and so when I say a reverence for grief it's it's almost um, synonymous with a trust in grief a trust that it will do what it needs to do with me it will take me to my knees or often to bed and it will eventually leave again it will ease and Every time, kind of taking it back to that river metaphor, if I can imagine it running through me, then I often come out the other side with, um, I'm thinking of David White's poem on the well of grief, the small round coins thrown by those who wished for more. It's like I dared to go to the bottom of the well Mm. and down there, there was something sparkling and shimmering um I mean I can share a really personal and recent story of that I absolutely collapsed on Sunday in a way that I haven't in years and I resisted it for so long so many weeks with that old narrative of no like you know you we don't do this anymore that was something I did years ago and I felt it coming in my bones and I felt the shame and the disappointment that somehow I'd you know failed to let all of my practices and all of my healing and I mean all of this work do its job and then eventually on Sunday I just took myself to bed and cried for maybe an hour and my Mm. partner came in and asked you know what are you crying for and I I said all of it and none of it. You know, I can't name I can't name it, but I have tears. And then afterwards, I just felt so light. I I actually like grabbed my paintbrush, did some DIY, put on some ABBA, and my partner came in and was like, "I'm confused." <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Um, he's incredible. But it was a it was a remembering to me of how if we have this reverence for grief, if we let it take us, then it it leaves us again and it shows us, it reveals us something. Um, and I think it's interesting to pay attention to what breaks your heart because there are clues there, like a compass. Mm. Well, I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing that, you know, and it's... Um, I think it just speaks to this, you know, there is a boundarylessness to grief. It's not something that exists. I mean, in the same way that love 
doesn't exist in any defined framework of time and and space you know and and really love does transcend dimensions and and time and space and life and death i think grief as an expression of of love also does that and it can come up and can seemingly blindside you you know many years after you know a, a, a particular loss but it doesn't operate within time frames and I and I heard you you there's something I just want to quote back to you here Nikki because I just thought it was so so beautiful you said I would love I would like us to move beyond just being able to talk about grief to valuing it as the ultimate act of love grief is not the price you pay for love grief just is love Mm. um and yeah I wonder if you could just talk talk to us a bit more about that Again, it speaks for me to that invitation to welcome grief as this inevitable part of the human experience. We we do only grieve for what we've loved. And so mm. to recognize grief as an act of love for me is to say, you know, no wonder. And to almost welcome it in because we do live in a society that's so conditioned to focus on the positive emotions, the productivity, the success, the joy, the laughter, the parties. And it doesn't often give enough space to the darkness, to Mm. the time to really be in loss, to be in sorrow, Mm. to, to really kind of let it permeate the cells of our being. Um, And so when I say that grief is love, To me, it allows that slight reframing that when we're in grief, it's not a kind of negative, Mm. bad, um, all of these kind of really just these labels that don't do justice to Mm. grief. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, grief feels infinite because love is infinite too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've actually never heard those words and that's thank you that's a real gift Jess because there is this expectation both collectively and on ourselves that at some point grief has an end point Mm. has a completion and that's just completely not my experience Mm. or how I work so I love that simple phrase of love is infinite so grief is also infinite Mm. makes so much sense Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You know, we, we do have, like culturally, we have a relationship with grief, which is, it is just avoidant and it is awkward. And, you know, it is, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? That this thing, which is such a universal part of human experience. And as you so brilliantly put, not just through our experiences of, of bereavement, um, but in so many other ways, you know, how, why is this thing, which is such a universal part of our kind of internal human experiential worlds mm. just just left in the shadows and, and why 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 is it that our relationship is is so avoidant and awkward do you think I think it's a, a multi-layered multi-layered answer and something that we can only start to unpick in our families, in our communities, mm. and in our workplaces, kind of step by step. I think there was kind of in my research reading about it, something interesting that happened, particularly in this country, when we had hospitals for the first time. So death and also birth was taken out of the home and kept behind closed doors. That's interesting. So it was right. kind of sanitized. Mm. Um, and equally, even in the process of grieving, there's you know, the, the privileged and lucky amongst us might get to go to therapy but even that it's kind of again kept behind closed doors um, and you're invited back in society when you're kind of quote unquote better but it but it manifests deeper than our relationship with death and our own mortality it um, this is a bigger conversation but it manifests in our systems yeah. and our capitalist structures which are obsessed with productivity and growth and a linear version of success which doesn't allow for the cyclical nature of our being mm. which is to go into the depths and the darkness and to grieve and to mourn and then to come out into joy I mean, we've got a lot to learn from nature in that sense um so I I mean we could spend all day on on why but I I guess it, I would encourage people listening to look at their own relationship to loss Mm. And even to change. I mean, we're really pretty bad at honouring endings in general in our cultures. How would it be to really sit with the experience of, um, I don't know, moving city or finishing university or um, ending a relationship to really kind of honour that process, honour that ending and and allow it to, to move through you? I mean, we're so missing elders. It's unbelievable. Um there was one grief um, circle, grief workshop that I went to when suddenly that came into my heart as what I was missing the most in life was elders, mm. people to hold my hand, people to kind of, you know, part the forest a little bit. So I had a path that I could at least see. Um, but it's hopefully changing. I think people are 
challenging the systems, challenging our ways of being and thinking in the world and in all different functions and industries. And if we can start to do that in the way that we talk about grief and loss, even just in the bereavement therapeutic support world, that's a little step in in the right direction. Mm, Absolutely. And so Nikki, I've heard I've heard you describe that, you know, your your grief has become a kind of cherished wound. And um, you know, you're on you're 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 on the luckier end of the spectrum if you're somebody who is able to have the experience of their wound kind of transmuting into a into a gateway for you know a more kind of intimate and uh alivened relationship with living because as you say certainly that is not the case for everybody and um but you know often our our wounding can can provide gateways and and a a sense of a kind of new sense of identity interestingly and um you know, and I and I and I and I wonder. You know, I I certainly see that in in f- for you how you know the, your your pain has has built this kind of incredible road for you, um, gateways mm. into in, in, into new worlds. And um, I wonder if you could kind of yeah speak to us for that uh, to uh, a little mm. bit. Everything that I've learned in the last five years, um, I wouldn't have. I, I simply wouldn't have come to had I not lost my mum and in, especially in the way that I did. And it is my greatest sadness that all that I've learned and continue to learn, not only about grief and loss, but also about mental health. And you know, my mum suffered with depression, which um, overlaps with a lot of what I'm learning about just kind of welcoming all of these emotions rather than resisting them. So it's this huge pain that I wake up with most mornings of guilt, I suppose, in some ways, that everything that I have done with the grief space, which gives me so much meaning and connection and love in my life, actually came to fruition because of the very thing in my life that I'd like to change the most. Mm. Like, how can we hold all of that And also what you said about our identities changing. I mean, I can feel knots in my stomach as I even think about that because I have changed so much Mm. in the last five. Well, I say it's been five years since she died, but she was really ill, really ill for years before that. Mm. And actually, in some ways, um, those years were even more difficult. Mm. Um, I really feel for the families of, of those. I really feel for those struggling with mental health, of course, but also the families, because the language of how do we name what's going on in, in our family unit is so mm. difficult. Um, so really, it's been sort of a seven, eight year process since I was like 20 years old. And those are such formative years of your life. And so in some ways, I'm unrecognizable Mm. to the person that I was. And that comes with a huge amount of grief. You know, certain friends who say that they miss the old versions of me Mm. or parts of my life that I've had to let go of. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel able to go to um, dinners or kind of holidays with friends in the same way. I, 
I navigated my way through my 20s feeling very isolated and not because I didn't have beautiful, incredible friends who were so supportive, but just because of how, like I said, you know, my whole body and system and soul broke apart and was like being reassembled. Mm. (laughs) And it's only now that I can kind of communicate that with friends at the time. In in many ways, I withdrew. Mm. Nikki, you would you were just you were just talking then about um, that you know really your your kind of yeah your initiation into this in, into relationship with grief really actually started maybe two or three years before your mum passed away, and there is. It's, it, it is a it is a different type of grieving, isn't it? This kind of, this, um, what, you know, so, in some kind of psych, psychological terms is, is now called ambiguous loss, which is when you are grieving even whilst, you know, the, the person who's the object of your grief is, is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, I, and it can be a very, very pain, it can be an acutely painful type of grieving which is often unnamed because you know people just in kind of very broad strokes just equate grief with death which we we know now is absolutely not the case but it can be a particularly complicated and painful time of grieving I think also because it so often goes unnamed um and and I I wonder how that was how that was for you Absolutely. I mean, there's no way I would have named what I was going through as grief in that time. And to be totally honest, I had a difficulty naming what was going on at all. Mm. I I numbed out from a lot of what was happening for many years. It was it was too acutely painful to witness. Mm. Um, but I I think it's so important to welcome welcome people into grief spaces into conversation around grief when as you say you're in that kind of ambiguous or even anticipatory space of grief because there is so much loss that is happening then Um, and I think what we need to be more acutely aware of in our society in general is there are there are two things that happen in any grief there is the event itself, so the loss, the diagnoses, the trauma, the unmet expectation. There's the grief itself. And in some ways, and actually in all ways, that is inevitable. Mm-hmm. That is a part of life that will will always be here because as we've talked about, it's universal. It's you know, to, to be human is to know loss. Mm-hmm. So that's the first grief, but there is a second thing that happens in grief, which is how that grief is tended to, how that grief is supported, how that grief is welcomed and seen by society. So when you're talking about ambiguous grief and anticipatory grief, it's even more important for us all to recognize that we we have such a huge role to play in that second part mm. of grief, which is to welcome the grief to really look after it and support it because that's how we can integrate it into a healthy body. Mm. 
Yeah, God, absolutely. It just made me think, actually, of my my daughter, my eldest daughter, who's four now, um, and she, she, you know, she's four years old, but she's already been through what she knows is a huge loss of losing her granny, my mum, because she was 15 months old when my mum died, and they had a deeply, deeply, deeply intimate, you know, profoundly connected, intimate relationship. And it's and she she in the last I would say six months has kind of and it's been I mean it's been heart kind of bursting and breaking all at once to witness but she has these moments of connecting with this kind of what I can only describe as this kind of primal scream of howling sadness that that granny died you know she she understands now that granny died and she's this person who's deeply in her psyche who she spent you know almost every day within those first 15 months of her life until she then died and she never saw her again you know and she she now you know in the way that three or four four, she's four and a half now four-year-olds do they start to understand about death or oh that person died and there's a kind of curiosity about it she knows now that's what happened to Mm -hmm. to granny and it's been a kind of this thing of how you hold a young person who's who doesn't you know she doesn't she she, she's beautifully kind of articulate for her age but what she's but you know still when you're four you don't have huge kind of breadth of language what what's so incredible as her mum to see is this is just to see how the language of it in her body is flowing. Mm. Mm. And she has these moments where it just, it roars through her so, in in such a powerful way that all she can do is is howl for half an hour. And then she's, mm. she, then she's like, mommy, can we go and do some drawing now? Or can we go out now? Or, you know, just to see this, this tiny little soul, you know, you know, obviously big soul too, but in this little person who's, you know, just, yeah, just what you were saying about kind of how you can create spaces for young people, little people too. And, you know, I think so often, you know, and I, th- I think she's certainly, sorry if I'm going a bit off piece here, but it just really kind of, it just really, just really ignited this in my mind when you were just talking about that. You know, she's certainly seen me grieve, my God. My daughter's nursery teacher actually wrote to me to say that you know what he's been wanting to she's been talking about her granny a lot and mm. she wants to draw pictures of her and she's been coming and then you know she's been was coming home pictures of my mom that she'd been drawing at nursery and she said and then the teachers my nurse her nursery teacher said I suddenly realized that you know there were a few other children in, in the class who were also grieving but hadn't been able mm. to name it and seeing Otty getting quite emotional at nursery sometimes was sort of enabling these other children to start to so I know it's just it literally I can't mm. I can't bear it I, I mean but yeah it's just these mm. tiny little people navigating these huge huge you know these huge experiences and um you know and then it came to light that one of the children in her nursery had lost um mother had had a very very late miscarriage and that this little person was grieving the kind of really the the faceless sibling 
a kind of nameless sibling that they were anticipating that 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 wasn't born and then another friend of hers who also's you know mother had lost a baby you know late in in pregnancy and then turns out another child had lost a a parent you know grandparent um to COVID during lockdown and Mm -hmm. suddenly all these kind of stories all the all the expression of all these different losses that these tiny little people had all experienced it just started to kind of rise you know within you know in into a kind of narrative at nursery and so they ended up doing this what I suppose is a bit of a kind of grief tending session where Mm. they you know they got the children to you know tell a little story about the person that they loved that they had lost and draw pictures and and create a memory box where they could make things to put in the Mm. memory box and then this is the thing that gets me apparently the teacher said they did this this kind of circle where they sat down all the children made things to put in their memory box and every child in the room had a memory box you know and and for some of them it wasn't necessarily a person but it was something they were feeling sad about and she said as they were going around talking about what was in their boxes the children just started getting up and hugging each other (laughs) Yeah, do you, you know, they know how to do I know stuff. sorry that was a very sort yeah. of long extrapolated yeah. story that just kind of unraveled as a result of something that you said so sorry if that was that kind of took up too much space but it just there's something around kind of returning back to you know almost you know what and I think children maybe before they've lived through the kind of hardening and sort of block blocking that can come Mm -hmm. through living just have this kind of very innate ability to kind of kind of flow and express express their grieving anyway I just wanted to kind of and it made me think in a way what her teacher had done is provided a kind of tending circle for for them yeah yeah completely thank you so so much for sharing that i i think children do have this incredible wisdom that we all could learn so much from so as you describe that kind of almost like animalistic howl that children are able to do we we as adults need to get to that place more um to let to let the grief out of our body in a mm. way that's not censored by the mind um there's a really beautiful tradition called keening celtic keening which is just that oh it's beautiful it's um it's it's when people come together in circle and accompanied by song and sound and drumming and um this there's this almost invitation in unison to um howl to release sound from your body and um, it's funny how I kind of start off all British and self-conscious, but I think by the end, everyone is is letting their emotions out. Mm. And um, yeah, and it's it's really touching. So I have this little image now of this classroom with all the children um, giving each other hugs because they know what they need. They want to be seen and felt and connection. <laughs> I know. It's just so, um, I know. Yeah. Sorry, I just had to take a pause there because it's like, yeah. You know, just I mean, grief is is the kind of in in that roaring river is the kind of you know is the combination of so many different 
elements and you know one of them you know certainly there's there's kind of boundaryless sadness and there's you know there's this weirdly gratitude there's also joy there's also absolute fucking rage you know there's chaos and there's the, the kind of much more chaotic feelings as well of of rage and um and and fury you know mm. really and yeah. you know what's so what's I think it's easier to sort of manage those feelings when they emerge when they're kind of charging through you with the kind of bright the kind of light color you know the more searing bright kind of energies of like of gratitude at the same time or kind of electrified sense of of joy or appreciation which which can happen and it's completely it's 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 it, it it's an incredible thing when you when you when you feel that but sometimes you just feel absolutely fucking angry and yeah. you know and i think you have to and and again allowing that feeling to really happen and say and to try and i you know to to welcome it in and not to block it is is also what can enable a, a kind of a more as an adjusted relationship to your grief as you as you can have you know so to give yourself permission to feel really fucking furious sometimes as well and know just as <clears throat> just as all just as everything else will move through you that feeling moves through you and it moves through through you a lot quicker actually as a result of letting it happen as you've so 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 beautifully expressed and um yeah I think there's some there's certainly some expressions of grief which are almost more palpable or acceptable and it's one mm. of the things I really notice in the circles and even in myself so I kind of notice how I'm responding to people as they share and if people are kind of in you know maybe crying and in that more kind of sorrowful and uh, gentle space it's it's somehow easier to empathize and when people come in with a lot of rage mm. it's because we're so we so don't welcome it in our society it's like I would recognize sometimes the discomfort in me and one of the practices that I welcome over and over again is how can we acknowledge all forms of grief and to not censor and to not try and um, make it more amenable somehow mm. but to actually come and say yeah I just like you said I just feel rage mm. and disappointment and jealousy you know all these ugly emotions that that come and to name them and say actually right now I, I don't even feel um, at all hopeful or grateful mm. or and I you know particularly you know, people sometimes look at me and the work I'm doing and it'd be very easy to spin a narrative of oh she's kind of turned this wounding into light and yes and also deep darkness mm. and I hold it all I feel it all and um to welcome that and to name it so that as we've talked about it can it can move through you and not get stuck because ultimately when grief gets stuck it hurts us mm. it shows up in what well, shows up in our bodies but it also shows up in the ways that we react the ways that we lash out to friends family um so it's yeah it's a great service to ourselves if we can let grief move through us so that we're kind of more clear 
Mm. I mean, there's, there's a, is there a quote, I mean, I, I quote this so often, but it's the real, uh, uh, quote from the poet Rilke where he says, mm. um, feel it all, beauty and terror, just keep going, no feeling is final. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, no feeling is final. Mm. Um, Nikki, I've heard you say something about, um, you refer to there being freedom in life falling apart and it, and it really, and it really made me think about, you know, and I, and I certainly see this in, in lots of the work that I'm doing and, and on this podcast about, you know, the, the, the kind of generative possibilities of, of, of rock bottom. And yeah, I wonder if you could just kind of speak to us a bit more about that. My whole perspective on life changed so much in the aftermath of my loss in the way that I could see I could see the I could see the different ways that I could get trapped into a life that I didn't necessarily choose there really is no way to do life because ultimately I'm going to say like no one really cares <laughs> what what you're doing I think that's what I realized was I just I suddenly had this experience of falling away. I think what I'm trying to say is falling away from the norm in su- with such grandiosity that I could never see myself falling back in line mm. with, you know, and I say the norm, I'm not sure even what that necessarily was, but there were probably things that I hadn't even questioned, like, certain jobs I would have applied for or Mm. certain milestones I would have tried to reach and the freedom that I've been given to just be me because in those early years of loss and grief I didn't have the energy to be anyone else Mm. and so once I'd kind of tried that on for a few years and realized that actually there were certain things in my life that I really did want to change um it became very easy for me to do so because I kind of looked around and thought this isn't really real Mm, yeah it's a liberation it's an emancipation from the binds of things which which are pinning you to things which ultimately are not important with a with a big eye (laughs) Nikki what does courage feel like Courage to me means waking up with the quiet whisper of knowing that I am held by life. Wow. <laughs> right, right, that's going to that's going up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, Nikki, my goodness, I really really you've got to sign me up for one of your retreats so if nothing else I can just come and have a whole weekend with you please (laughs) um now listen as we move as we move to the end of honestly which is one of one of my most favorite times and conversations ever so just thank you so much um for everything you are and everything you do Nikki I just wanted to ask you if there was one person in the world either living or past who you would want to be proud of you who would that be oh my mum yeah 
she's with me. I don't know why our souls for some reason needed to do this, but I feel like we've been doing it together. I think it's just my greatest sadness that she suffered so much Mm. and she felt so much pain and I'm in some ways feeling the incredible connection and rewards of moving through life in this way but I feel her here and I know she's proud of me and I know she's also really proud of my dad and my brother okay so my goodness as we come to the end of this of this most unbelievably special time with Nikki Harrison today um in true human in true human tradition Nikki um we're going to play out with a song that you would Mm. dedicate to our conversation and time together today so what's that going to be the song I'd love to choose is Akul by Ajit and will you tell us why you'll hear it in the first line (laughs) it almost needs no explanation um but I will tell you a beautiful story about it that it's been the song that's followed me around since my mother my mother's passing um but one time when I was on a very profound grief tending retreat out in the Welsh woods and um over new year kind of five days deep in the forest the woman that I was sharing a room with um brought out a little kind of ukulele and she started singing the song and it was um an unbelievable you know not coincidence because it's not it's not a well-known song Mm. and um it follows me around and I hear it in unexpected places and it's been a great comfort to me perfect well here we have it Akul by Ajit Nikki thank you thank you thank you for all you are for all you do we love you. Mm, thank, thank you so you. much. So much love. Okay. Mother, I feel you under my feet. Father, I hear your heart beat within
Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on your podcast app, then please do. And you know the score. Five stars, please. If you'd like to come and say hello on Instagram, then you can find me and all things human podcast related at This Is Jess Mills. This podcast was created and hosted by me, Jess Mills, with creative co-production by Bonnie Tyvon and produced by Joel Porter at dot dot dot. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.